introducing Mr. Kawada himself, my dad. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, this is Quantum of History. I am your host, Donnie Waldron. Welcome into another episode. Today is going to be Spectre. We are going to be talking about Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. Uh, the guest today is Bud West from the Bond Brain. You know him, you love him. I'm sure you guys all listen to his stuff too. He's been cranking out some really great stuff. So he's going to be the guest today. This episode was actually recorded in April. Him, it, Bud and I, have, I've been sitting on this since April. I figured we might as well save it until Halloween comes or actual the Dia de, 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 de los Muertos actually comes out. And this is the first episode since No Time to Die. Hopefully everybody got to see it. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it multiple times. It's still digesting it. still trying to figure it out. And I, when I when I talked about Spectre or think about it now, it was either going to, No Time to Die was either going to make Spectre better for me or worse because I knew it was going to tie in a lot they were going to be inter- interwoven a lot and after seeing No Time to Die honestly Spectre dropped a lot for me the reason is because everything that I hate about No Time to Die is the direct result from the last third of Spectre everything that really bothers me about the movie No Time to Die I think they were handcuffed by the giant dumpster fire um, of the last third of Spectre Spectre for me was a guilty pleasure. You know, Kyle Barbo, um, he's he he's real big on Spectre, so we kind of got to tune. And I kind of equated uh, Spectre to Donald Trump. And it's gonna be weird, but it's gonna be it's gonna make sense when I explain it. I feel like Spectre for me is like Donald Trump, where there's things about his policy and administration that I really liked, but then there's things about him that I really can't stand. So when you say, "Hey, do you like Donald Trump?" you don't really want to say yes because of all the stuff that really bothers you about him, stains all the good stuff. That's how I feel about Spectre. I feel that this little stuff in the movie that I really, really like, but the things that I really, really, really don't like, stain it. So if you ask me, hey, do you like Spectre? I don't want to say yes because I hate the last third of the movie so much. And now after seeing No Time to Die, I hate it even more because we now have a ruined Spectre and I've everything that I didn't like about No Time to Die, all the potential that could have been there, was a direct result of how bad Spectre ended and the plot holes and the rushed and everything that's wrong with No Time to Die is a result of Spectre. So for me, Spectre has dropped in the, risen, dropped in the ratings a lot. But for just a throw it on, uh, just as you know, brain food, brain mush entertainment, uh, Spectre still is is entertaining. And this, like I said, the pre-title sequence and the scenes with Monica Bellucci when she's walking there, just, I love those scenes. The train fight's really good. I said there's individual things that I really do enjoy about it, but the things that I don't stain it so badly that it's hard to like it. So today we're, we're going to talk about the pre-title sequence, Dia de los Muertos, which is an interesting thing about how um, James Bond movies are so interwoven into the fabric of what happens wherever they film. They talked about a lot in the in the podcast, at the 007 official podcast, where the locations, when you become a Bond location, you are changed forever. And I don't think there's a better example of that than Mexico City now, where after now after the movie, they now added the parade for Dia de los Muertos. That wasn't a thing before James Bond came and started that tradition, and they kept it going. So that's a really interesting thing that James Bond actually has now affected a, a place where they filmed in something as big as Mexico City. It's now started its own tradition. Very cool thing. So we're going to talk about what the Dia de los Muertos are. Normally, when I do these, uh, I will say that I research the hell out of them. 
I have a bunch of different sources I get my material from, a craft reference. I really do, um, I really tried to put a big um, emphasis on making sure that this is well researched, every topic I've ever done on this one. This one, not so much, to <laughs> be honest. Uh, but everything that I found out with the research that I did basically said the same things. So this is kind of from, I'm going to give credit to just the History Channel on this one. Uh, normally, I, I take the time, write them out, do lots of research from lots of different sources. This one, I'm just going to be kind of giving you cliff notes before we get into the interview. The origins of Dia de los Muertos go back all the way 3,000 years. And it's, it's a mix of the Spanish culture, the Aztec culture, you know, Christianity, and tribalism. And it's a, it's a mix of all of them put into one three-day holiday. So Dia de los Muertos begins on October 31st. Then on November 1st is El Dia de los Inocentes, which is um, or the All Saints Day or the Day of the Children. It's kind of a macabre thing. It's where they believe that the gates to the afterlife are open and the spirits of the children, the, the lost children, come out first. And they lay out toys and they come and they play with the family that way. And then after the Children's Day, the, the rest of the people, the rest of the spirits can actually leave the uh, afterlife and then they join the rest of the family. So on November 2nd, it's called All Souls Day or Dia de los Muertos. And that's when both the children and the adults of the spirits come to visit their family. Uh, they have dinner, they have joys, they, they have dancing for 24 hours. And it's a time of celebration for the life of the people who have passed. The origins go about 300, 3,000 years back when they first started seeing rituals like this. And to understand this, you have to look at how the difference in the old Aztec and Nahua culture, how they looked at death versus how, you know, traditional Christians looked at death. Traditional Christians look at it as you want to, even today, you, you want to separate yourself from death. People don't see death very often. It's not rare that people go almost their entire lives without seeing a dead body. Whereas back in the times, you know, in, in these tribalists and the Nahua and, and the Aztecs, death was ingrained as a part of life. It's a part of their journey. So they weren't so removed from it. So I think they dealt with it far better than, than mo especially modern society does. Modern society is, looks away from death. They want to pretend that it doesn't do it. Whereas this was very much, death is a part of life. It's part of the journey. The Nahua believe that when a person died, they traveled to Shikuna Miklan, which was the land of the dead. Uh, you'd have to go through nine challenges and a journey of several years. And then you would finally reach Miklan. And that would be your final resting place. And that's where you actually get to leave from once you've earned it. So then the Hua rituals honors the dead, traditionally held in August. They would provide food, water, tools that they would need, the deceased would need in their journey to keep going and, and stay in Miklan. This practice is, is still held today. And you see it in Dia de los Muertos. Again, they offer food, things that they need. Um, a lot of times they'll put toys or things that were close that the person had so that they know where the, to look for their family. To look at the Christian side of it, you look at All Saints Day, All Souls Day, mixed in with the, the Nahua, which in in early Spain, it would actually have wine and pan de anemas, which would give the graves to the loved one. They'd dance, same thing. Cover the graves with flowers, light candles, and again, illuminate. You see a lot of candles that illuminate the paths so that the family members, they know the spirits can come. Everything helps with bringing them um, to the family for that for that one night so they can spend time with the family. One of the biggest emblems that you see in Mexico City of Dia de los Muertos are calacas, skeletons, and uh, calavaras, skulls. And they make them into a lot of candies. Uh, much of the candies built around the skulls, the 
skeletons, things like that. And they've molded the pan de animas into the pan de muerto. Same thing. You, 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 you bake a sweet good and you leave it out for your family to have, your past or deceased family to come when they visit. They can have their favorite uh, sweet. And it is just, it's a big celebration. You, you actually, you know, Feliz Dia de los Muertos. You, know, you would say happy, happy day of the dead, all that. Some, it'd be just like saying happy Halloween, even though it's a very macabre thing that your dead relatives are visiting you and you're ready for them. Uh, but I think it's just a better, I think it's a better way of looking at death than, than the whole mourning thing. And you're seeing this come through in places like Chicago, L.A., San Antonio, and Fort Lauderdale. They all hold Dia de los Muertos parades now, all inspired by James Bond Spectre. Just really neat to see the impact that this mo- these movies have on so much. So so that's it. That's what, that's what Dia de los Muertos is. It's a really interesting blend of Aztec, Nahua, Mexican and Spanish Christianity all mixed in to make three days of baking bread, making candy skeletons, dancing, rejoicing, spending time with your loved ones that you believe have passed and have come to visit you. Very interesting uh, holiday, and I think it's a very cool way to look at death as opposed to looking at this some finite separate thing that you want to avoid. you got to accept that it is part of life. It's part of what you do. And uh, it's interesting to see that Spectre and movies like Coco have really embraced Dia de los Muertos in the artwork. If you get a chance, Google Google image some Mexico City, how they actually decorate, how the candles are, stuff like that. It's very interesting to look at and, and see. And uh, maybe one day I'll go down to Mexico City for Dia de los Muertos and experience it myself. That would be a, a bucket list thing. Without further ado, let's bring on Bud West from the Bond Brain. You know him, you love him, the coolest cat going. Bud. All right, welcome back. We're going to welcome in my good friend, Bud West. This will be the second time that you're on. Uh, the first time was Diamonds Are Forever. It's one of my favorite episodes that we did. It's also one that I want back. I wish I could re-edit it. Maybe I'll have to do it for like the YouTube or something. But I love Bud West. He's been a good friend ever since the start. And uh, welcome in, Bud. Welcome back. Hey, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on. It was fun the first time. It was it was fun when you were on the Bond Brain, and it's always uh it's always fun to hang out with Donnie. It doesn't even have to be Vaughn stuff. So, uh, you guys <laughs> yeah, well, out there, you get a chance to uh, hang out with Donnie. He makes jokes about being juvenile, but who cares? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always a good time. It's always a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. I mean, at our cigar lounge, and then we did the uh, one-year anniversary, and usually once the more alcohol comes on, it gets a little wild, but it's fun. <laughs> it's, a, it's always a good time. Right. So, but not only are you, are you a lot of fun, bud, but you're extremely knowledgeable. And today's topic, we're going to be doing Dia de los Muertos, which is just more than anything. I just like saying it. Yeah, I'm going to leave the Spanish pronunciation up to you. (laughs) (laughs) And it's such an interesting topic because one, what do you think they were trying to do? Um, Just go to going to Spectre itself. What do you think they were trying to do by incorporating the Dia Dia de los Muertos? Well, I, I think that was an overall to, to lay the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he believes that Blofeld is, is dead. Yeah. Um, the dead are alive. So I think they were just really going, uh, for the theme there. And quite honestly, when I saw the dead are alive, I thought it, it, the first thing that popped in my head was 
they're going to bring somebody back from his past, whether whether it's a character we recognize or not. Hmm. Um, that they're they're going to bring it back. But I, I love that whole action sequence. I love that whole pre-title. Um, I mean, there's other weak spots in that film, but that's that's my favorite part. That's actually my favorite pre-title sequence of all the ones. Is Inspector de los Muertos. So well done, great action, historical background to it. I I think it fires on all cylinders. Yeah, yep, I agree. And I, I think if they even the hue with which they you know everybody knocks the hue that they shoot the movie with, with the kind of um, yellow green. But I guess that's kind of sets the whole motif as a start. So it's supposed to be this cryptic death, and I think they missed what they were trying to do. But if they you know the beginning really sets a tone, you're like, oh man, this is gonna be awesome because this is so it's such an awesome beginning. And it's had a lot of impact as far as um, just Mexico City itself and how with the Dia de los Muertos. So why do you think they chose this? What do you think the historical part of why the producers like this is the place to start? This is where Bond needs to be. You know, I'm not sure because, you know, the parade itself for the movie of Spectre is invented, not the Day of the Dead, you know, the festival and everything. But um, I think they were probably looking for some type of motif there to set the overall, you know, mood of the film and the overall story arc of the film. And, you know, I, I'm sure there's other cultures and stuff they could have come across this stuff, but it, it's almost perfect. Yeah. You know, once a year, the belief that, you know, the deceased come back and, you know, for a celebration, Mm, yeah, I mean, you see these types of, of parades in um, Thunderball. You see it in Moonraker, and then you know, see it in the same thing. It just Bond seems to really find his New Orleans, same thing, and Live and Let Die. You see him a lot in these these parades, and this 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 idea that they came up with to kind of keep in the same line just really worked well. Well, yeah, that's it. That's also it's yeah. I never really thought about that, but you're right. That is a throwback to previous films, uh, the Junkaroo and. Uh, in the you know in previous films it, it it really is it never really occurred to me that way it's actually that's a really good point yeah and for Dia de los Muertos itself can you give it a little bit backstory about how you interpret what the holiday is well I mean the holiday itself there's you know there's a lot of history to it and really it's 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 not really one holiday it's almost a collision of cultures so you have, you know, the All Souls influence from the Christian background, and then you have, you know, some Aztec culture built into this. And, I mean, you're talking about a ceremony or, you know, a, a celebration that goes back 500 years hmm. uh, or more. I mean, nobody really knows. And, you know, the only real record of it begins with the Spanish conquests. Yeah, I was reading about the like the conquistadors and stuff like that. Where the Aztecs were such a brutal civilization, and they evolved. I mean, they were thousands of years old, and they evolved into having this the human sacrifice, which and then the cannibalism, which is kind of everybody keys on as the big points of what Aztecs do, and those kind of views of death and the fact that you have to sacrifice to keep death at bay or death is not that far away they, they don't have this um they don't have this feeling of removing themselves from the fact that one day you're going to die which you see in a lot of cultures today or especially in, in today like nursing homes 
when when they're elderly start getting old and they're close to death, people put their loved ones in nursing homes to be taken care of. Whereas in a lot of Latin cultures and stuff like that, they they keep them in the house and death is ever present inside of that. And it comes back to Aztecs and things like that, where it's just a different view of death, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. And you know, you've got so many different views on that and the, the finality of it or that death is really just, you know, the, the next step uh, in the journey through, you know, through time for for us. And it, and it just it really is, you know, what's grounded in your beliefs. And that's what's kind of so well, it's kind of off, uh, strange to me, not necessarily off, but strange to me about, you know, the day of the dead, because you'll have, you know, the Christian faith is this is just one step on the way to heaven. But then also during this same celebration and ceremony, they will, you know, pantomime or recreate some of the cannibalistic things that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So it, it really is unique yeah, uh, in, in cultures around the world for you know, for a particular, and it, it's not so much, you know, you think of death and you think of mourning, but it, it's almost like the live and let die in the New Orleans culture where you, you don't mourn the dead, you celebrate that they lived at all. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would, I would much prefer my passing. I, I've been to more funerals than I'd like to, uh, like to admit, you know, like to go to, but every time you go in there, it's so somber and it's so ritualistic and it's so, I don't know. When I go, it better not be like that, you know. I better, I better not see it. You know what I mean? Like, if anybody knows me and anybody's friends with me, if if I go through some like traditional Christian burial, I'm going to be very upset. I want some parties. I want some Blackwell 007 rum poured out on everybody. You know what I mean? I want up some boobs coming in out. I want something. I, I, I find this version of dealing with death as, um, again, what you said, the next passage. And this is one state of being, and then there's other state of beings. And before you were born, there was another state of being you were in. And I found that to be much more comforting and much more, um, you know, gives me more solace than thinking that, you know, I, I have to live this and then there's going to be this dull, dreary ceremony before it can go past. Yeah. I mean, their whole... Day of the Dead starts out a little solemn. I mean, then on mm-hmm. their first night, they they honor the children who. Yes, yeah. that that's very um, macabre. That's that's the hardest thing to deal with, right? Yes, um, with with toys and their favorite foods and stuff, and then it morphs into you know what turns into essentially this this huge celebration the next day. But I got to be honest, once I'm dead, I'm not coming back. I mean, there's only two reasons <laughs> I'm coming back, man. The next Bond movie and a kick-ass party. So I think they're I think they're on the right on the right path here. Man. Hopefully, October we can have both. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think that it's interesting. I I think that the brutalization of the Aztecs. Do you think that that plays into not just the Day of the Dead, but in the culture themselves? I, I, we just did like the the Los Losetas episode. I just did, and we did a lot of Sinaloa and just studying like MS thirteen. A lot of the violence that they have in Mexico. Do you think that that stems from some of the views they have on death and some of the views they have on ritualistic killings and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good question. Uh, you know, there's a lot of you see, you know, you see a lot of gang activity that that people say, look, this this kind of goes back to you know, kind of like tribal warfare situations, mm-hmm. and uh, you, you know, so it, it really is hard to escape your past. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And you're, you're always going to have those influences going forward. And, you know, it, it's a really tough call to say, does this really stem from, you know, Aztec culture? But when you look at it, you know, take out the technology and take out the time period and you start to see those same similarities, you wonder where the people calling the shots for these type of activities, cartels and, and all this type of stuff, where they get their ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, even you look at when they, they cut off the heads and they decorate them very much in the style of, you know, the, the skeletons, or I forgot what it's called in, in Spanish, but um, very much a deal de la muerte feel to it. So it's funny how I always say this, doing this, history always repeats itself and you can find the roots in human activity. While it changes, it, it doesn't really change. No, it doesn't. And, you know, it, it's funny. You know, a lot of people will say, you know, you, you, you waste your time looking behind you, always look forward. But the problem with that is that you don't learn from the mistakes of the past. Mm-hmm. So, you know, history definitely does repeat itself. And, you know, you can, I've read thousands of history books. It's a huge, you know, it's a huge hobby for me, just like it is for you. And, you know, it, if you don't look back, you know, or if you do look back and you say, hey, maybe this guy had it right. I mean, you you, you still have Nazis in the world. Mm-hmm. These people are still looking back at stuff like Mein Kampf and stuff like that and, and thinking that's a good idea. Um, so it, it's not a stretch to think that, you know, there are still traditions today that. Yeah, fascism, fascism, socialism, all this stuff, it comes back and it, it for did, some reason right. that it, it becomes ends. trendy. Yes. Yep, it's crazy. It is crazy. Do you think that they're gonna in no time to die? Do you think they're gonna still explore anything to do with the 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 dead are still alive, or do you think they're gonna leave that whole theme in the past? Uh, well, I mean, spoiler alert, folks. Yeah, you do see, you know, Lofeld in the trailer. No, I I think they're they're pretty much done with that. I don't see anything that that are still alive. Yeah. Um. It's, I mean, the only thing that would really shock is if suddenly Vesper was alive or something like that. Oh, God. Could you imagine? But, Could you uh, imagine? <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. It would be hard not to walk out if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> she was just like, yeah. actually, I had a bamboo strip in my back pocket, and I was breathing out the whole time. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and so. actually, we're brother and sister. <laughs> right, yeah. It's, I mean, it, they're... There's obviously some type of past coming back to haunt either Bond or Madeline Swan. But I mean, that, that's if you've seen the trailer, you know, the, some some unforeseen thing or undisclosed thing from a previous film. But I, I'm not real big on that. I don't like when they you have a film and you, you take it to a conclusion and it's a good film. And in the next film, you create a storyline that screws it all up you know it, <laughs> yep. it totally changes the context of the previous film and I, i'm not a big fan of that so i'm not hoping we don't you know i'm hoping we don't see anything like that in no time to die well you know? let's hope so let's hope so and one last question here but as we, before we uh before we get off here if you could if, if for any reason you could have one day you're coming back you go it's, it's your all souls days right you got one chance to go anything. You got one day back on Earth. W- which Bond girl are you going back to uh, spend your one day back with? <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, it's 
Chris, well, if my wife is listening, it's you, baby. Uh, <laughs> if because uh, I always call her my bun girl. Uh, I I am I have always been. If it's just a physical thing, I have always been partial to, and I can never remember the actress's name. And from Russia with Love, um, Tatiana Romanov. Yes, that's yep. the character. Good, good yes. pick. Good pick. Yes. Good so, pick, my man. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's 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 me personally, um, but. I could watch that movie 7,000 times. You could turn the sound off. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care. But That's the way um, I watch that. Uh, that's the way I watch um, The World Is Not Enough with Denise Richards. Just turn oh, the sound right. off. And it's, yeah. it's actually, well, she's it's better delightful. with the sound off. Right. <laughs> she, all is, right. she is all sight but no acting ability. <laughs> well, all right, bud. Thank you so much for coming on. As always, such a treat. And uh, thank you again if you're not following Bud West. He's got the Bond Brain. Great podcast. Follow it. Listen. And I'm sure if you listen to this, you're already listening to him too. So I appreciate it, guys. And I thank you so much, Bud, for coming on. Thanks, man. I love hanging out, love talking, love BSing and whatever the heck we're doing. But uh, Cigars and booze coming. (laughs) Cigars and, yep, absolutely. (laughs) All right, my man. It's